The strange thing about being Haitian-American is that I was born in a country that doesn't acknowledge the dignity of the country my parents were born in. I figure maybe a lot of children of immigrants feel that way, but Haiti in particular always seems to be presented in the media as a burden on the U.S., a country the U.S. just keeps pouring donations into but doesn't get anything back in return. But I recently learned about a monument in Savannah, Georgia, built to commemorate a time when Haitians were the one doing the helping. In 1779, around 800 soldiers from the island we now call Haiti arrived on the shores of Savannah, Georgia. They were free men, but coming wasn't necessarily their choice. You see, Haiti was a French colony at the time. France and Britain were rivals, so the French sent these Haitian soldiers to Savannah, Georgia to help the Americans in the Revolutionary War against the British. The French saw it as a win-win. They can send soldiers to fight their enemy, and the soldiers wouldn't have to be French men. But as the revolutionary forces prepared for a battle, a battle that would later be known as the Siege of Savannah, they told these Haitian men to stay at camp and essentially do busy work, like digging and moving around supplies. The Americans didn't want to fight alongside these men or share the glory of the victory that they were expecting from the battle. But then, the Patriots started losing. Badly. And they desperately needed help. And who do you think they called? I'm Baudelaire, and this is Atlas Obscura. A celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we visit Savannah, Georgia, and its Haitian monument, built to commemorate the Haitian soldiers who came to the rescue of patriots who refused to respect them. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites— along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I love the book, The Power Broker, the epic biography of former New York City planner Robert Moses. So I'm breaking it down 100 pages at a time and talking to special guests about why this book matters, like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I actually think if it wasn't for Robert Moses, I probably wouldn't have run for Congress. Listen to 99% Invisible's breakdown of The Power Broker every month on the 99% Invisible podcast feed. Savannah is under control of the British. So this plan that they have hatched, that is the Patriots and that the Allied forces, is that they're going to recoup, they're going to recover Savannah for the Patriot side. That's Dr. Amir Jamal Ture. He's a professor, cultural historian, and owner of Day Clean Journeys, a tour company in Savannah, Georgia. 
He's been doing tours in Savannah for years, and one of his favorite topics in his city's history is the Haitian soldiers who came there during the American Revolution, known as Les Chaussures Volontaires de Saint-Domingue, or Les Chaussures for short. So they go forward with, with the battle. And guess what happened? People's mm-hmm. getting blown to bits. They're getting blown out the place. And so finally, they announced that they got to be a retreat. And so some going to say that it was a ragged retreat. The Patriots had been really confident that this would be an easy victory. They thought the Allied forces would only be fighting a loyalist militia made up of colonists who remained loyal to the crown, but that they wouldn't be supported by the actual British military. What they didn't know was that the British had recently backed that militia with battle-hardened troops. So the Patriots retreated, running for their lives back towards the camp where they told the Haitian soldiers to wait. That's when they're not going to call out to the Chasseurs. They're not calling to them like, hey, come help us with this retreat. Get this thing together for us to be able to retreat. The Chasseurs not come in. They not stand up and they are not providing cover for those other forces that now go and do a retreat. And so that's when folks going to say they saved the day for the Patriots on the day. If not, there would have been an absolute massacre of them on that day. But because of the Chasseurs, they are not able to not go back and again to fight another day. So the the battle was lost by the Patriots. But right. the, uh-huh. the, yes. it was a loss. Mm-hmm. But the the chaussures saved the day by it not being a slaughter. Is, right. is, That's is right. That's right. That's right. And allowed mm-hmm. them now to have a, a more orderly retreat. The Haitian soldiers stepped in, giving the Patriots time to retreat. And so Jamal says the Haitians saved the Patriots, allowing these men to fight another day. But fast forward a couple hundred years, and nothing had been done to acknowledge this help, which is where this monument comes in. In the mid-2000s, the city of Savannah began planning a statue to honor Le Chasseur. Jamal was actually a part of the statue's creation, lending his historical knowledge of the battle and the involvement of the Haitians. He said, this monument is not going to be on some obscure square. It's not going to be some square that's off the beaten path. He said this square will be in City Market. That's an open-air market that gets a lot of foot traffic. So that way, everybody that comes to Savannah, they go in the City Market. They're going to at least see this monument right here. They're going to see this monument of African men who fought during the American Revolution. That someone would walk over there, they're going to say, well, what is that right there? The Haitian Monument has six individual statues of soldiers, all elevated on a stone platform. Four men aim rifles. Then there's one man on the ground holding his chest as if he's just been wounded. And the last statue is of a small boy to the side who's beating on a drum. When the statue was unveiled, Jamal was surprised to find that he recognized one of the faces. And so then, lo and behold, I now look and see myself on the monument. Most of the figures on the statue are nameless soldiers. Their names and faces lost to history. So sculptor James Maston used some of the men involved in the statue's creation for inspiration. So for me, that so that I'm saying it's even more personal right now. Now it's not just about me showcasing what my ancestors have done, that what African people have done with regards to telling the history, telling the fullness of American history. That now I'm like saying this is even more personal because that's me up there. Jamal's face is on the soldier that's the furthest back. Now the one that's in the back with the rifle pointed in the air, that's the historian. That's the one who has to tell the history. 
And here he is telling me the history. Like I said, most of the soldiers on the monument are nameless, except one, the drummer boy. Sculptor James Maston said this drummer boy represents the youth who must live on to tell the story. And he's also based on a real drummer boy, Henri Christophe, who was only 14 years old during the siege, but would go on to become the king of Haiti. A couple months ago, we actually did an episode about Henri Christophe and his famous fortress, the Citadel, if you want to learn more about his story. After the siege of Savannah, some of the Haitian soldiers make it back to Haiti and later join Haiti's own fight for independence. But some of the soldiers who went to Savannah wouldn't be so lucky. There's a ship of them that are captured by the British. And guess what? Those men are taken to Jamaica. And they're taken to sugarcane plantations in Jamaica. They never make it back to Haiti. They're not put in captivity in Jamaica. So here goes some man who was not sent up here to fight for the freedom of the United States. And others will make it back to Haiti. But guess what? Others will not make it back. And they now are sent to Jamaica. And they are now on plantations there. I just want to let that sink in for a minute. So recently freed Haitians who came from Haiti to fight for an independence that wasn't even theirs were then captured and enslaved again. I asked Jamal why he felt the story of the Haitian assistants was so often left out of the teaching of the American Revolution. Most of us do not know American history. We know American mythology. Mm. And so some of us like to promote the gone with the wind history. Again, these nice sanitized versions of history. And so it also now goes to show some hypocrisy also. Because what occurs is that we don't go and talk about it because, again, we don't like to, uh, we don't like to showcase IIT for its proper place. But Haiti wasn't done helping the United States. In fact, you could say that without Haiti, America might be a fraction of the size it is today. You see, a couple decades after America won its war for independence, Haiti would do the same and gain its freedom from France. And Napoleon, emperor of France at the time, didn't take the loss of Haiti so well. Haiti was the crown jewel of France's colonial holdings, and after losing his precious Haiti, he was a lot more willing to part with his other North American assets. When Napoleon now loses Haiti, Napoleon is despondent and mad. He is pissed off. He ain't happy at all about this. Haiti was the jewel of North America for France. So he's like, I don't even care about North America. The mainland North America, I don't even care about that. Napoleon had big goals for his North American empire. And when he lost Haiti, his dreams were crushed. At the start of the Haitian Revolution, Haiti was the world's top producer of sugar and coffee, and among the leaders in cotton, cocoa, and indigo. As you can imagine, that's a lot of income loss for France. And with that income lost, Napoleon changed his mind about having this large empire that includes the New World. His vast Louisiana territory, even, became a lot less valuable without it also being paired with the economic powerhouse that was colonial Haiti. So Jefferson now are not able to go do something in American history y'all call the Louisiana Purchase. The Louisiana Purchase comes about directly from Haiti gaining its independence and Napoleon is not fed up. He don't want to have anything to do with it. And the United States will gain 14 states out of the, the Louisiana Purchase. Out again, what we know with regard to the Haitian Revolution. So, but because Haiti 
gains its independence, the United States is able to double overnight. So that's not once, but twice, that Haitians contributed to the building of a young America. It meant a lot for me to find out about this history, my history, all through a statue in Savannah, Georgia. In that respect, I guess the monument is doing its job. If you want to visit the Haitian monument, head on down to Savannah, Georgia, and go to Franklin Square. And if you see Jamal, other than on the statue, tell him I said hello. Special thanks to Dr. Amir Jamal Ture for fulfilling his role as the historian and sharing with me, and now all of you, the story of the Haitian monument. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. Our production team includes Dylan Therese, Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Amanda McGowan, Manolo Morales, Johanna Mayer, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. This episode was sound designed and mixed by Luce Fleming. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com. There's a link in our episode description. My name is Baudelaire. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Hi, I'm Lale Arakogli, host of Women Who Travel. Women Who Travel is a transported podcast for anyone curious about the world. We talk to adventurers and athletes. I've raced the God's Own Adventure Race, which is on the South Island and goes through the mountains down in the Southern Alps on New Zealand. That was eight days spent out in the wilderness. And chefs. Iranian food is home, it's family, it's love. And we share dispatches from our listeners. Ireland is full of these, I will call them ghosts of the past. From stampeding elephants to training sled dogs. We hear it all. The dogs will curl right up with you. And it can be kind of cozy waiting things out. New episodes of Women Who Travel publish every Thursday. Join us wherever you listen. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex of bugs. <laughs> Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts.